Oh, ah, okay, there we go. Now it's starting. Okay, now we're working. So the uh, the point that we were on was um, effort that leads to the end of effort, or action that leads to the end of action, or comma that leads to the end of comma. You can see that uh, as an analogy of, I don't know if you can see it well enough, the idea of a hook. And we have many uses for hooks in business. One of the qualities of the hook, though, is, is that as long as you're pulling down on it, you're there, you're hooked. In order to get off of the hook, you have to actually bring the weight up enough to get over the top of it. And then you can get it off. This is actually an example of the effort or the uh, action that it takes to get into no action. Like, uh, um, like throwing, throwing the light switch. All we have to do to turn the lights on is throw the light switch. The amount of light that we get is quite a lot, all day long, etc. And all we had to do is throw that light switch. So there's a very little effort that's required for a great deal of value. So the example of standing in the road while the truck comes down, not getting out of the road takes no effort. But the disaster that, it, that happens when you get run over, that's a lot of doing associated with that. Okay, so getting out of the road is a little bit of effort. But by getting out of the road, we save ourselves a tremendous amount of effort. That's what we're looking at now, okay, is how much is just the right amount of effort to get the job done. And I know so, uh, I definitely hear a little... With Carvery, there's so many little little things that I can do to save myself a lot of trouble. So I feel mm -hmm. that. All right. Well, let's look at how that works directly in Anapanasati. With Anapanasati, normally the students in the West, they think that all they have to do is just merely watch the breath. But if they're watching the breath the way that most do, without doing anything actively about it, then it's very easy for the, for the mind to just wander away. It's almost like that the breath is here and the mind is here. Well, it's really easy for the mind to wander away. But if you have it like this, where the mind is actually grabbing the breath, mm -hmm. then it's really hard for the mind to kind of wander away because it's got this job to do. So there's an, uh, this is where the breathing becomes important as to the quality of breathing. 
because we're not just going to let the body breathe the way that it normally would under the control of the reptilian brain, that we're actually going to take control of the breath. When we're thinking about the breath and controlling the breath actively mentally, the actual frontal cortex of the, of the brain lights up. They can see this with the MRIs. They can say, okay, start taking deep breaths. And as soon as they tell the person to start taking deep breaths, and while they're taking deep breaths, their frontal cortex immediately lights up. This is why Anapanasati, that deep breathing is so important, is, is because it actually um, unifies the mind and the breathing because we're actually actively controlling the breath. So this is an effort that one takes, the effort to actually control the breath, to make the breathing long, to make it uh, deep. So that as we're breathing long, we intentionally are breathing deep. Now, when I say deep, I'm not talking about from zero to 100% and then empty out completely from 100% back to zero. But normally people breathe around something in the sense of from 40 to 60%. So on an in-breath, they're only taking in about 60%. Uh, they fill the lungs to about 60%. But then when they breathe out, they only breathe it out according to about 40%. And so a lot of old air stays in the lungs. What we're going to do is we're going to intentionally change that dynamic, say, maybe to eight, 80 to 20, so that we're taking in more air, but we're taking in more air because we're breathing in longer, and we're breathing then out longer so that we're emptying more air. But we're not trying to have a contest. Can I get it all out, or can I get it all in? Right. It's yeah. just nice, easy, comfortable, deep breath. If we can con learn to control the breath that way, then that gets us ready for the control issues that we ha have to do deal with later. In other words, if you cannot learn to control your breathing, how in the world are you ever going to learn to control your mind? Or indeed, how are you ever going to learn to control your feelings? This is actually a growing up or a skill development, and the skills that we're developing are going to give us some control over our lives. Because most of the way, the reason that people are dissatisfied with their life is because it's out of control. The feelings come up as the feelings come up, and when they come up, then the feelings are the boss. And uh, we, it's built right into our language, so that when anger comes up, they, the person will say, I am angry. Or frustration comes, I am frustrated, I am sad, I am lonely, I am angry, I am uh, uh, afraid. All of this I am stuff means that the feeling themselves are in, the, are in control and the I is actually there in support of the bad feeling. But if we can learn to control the breathing, then we can learn to control what our thoughts are, and eventually we can learn to control our feelings. Now, when I say eventually, 
that may take a little while, but there's no reason for it. Because, in fact, you can learn to control your feelings a little bit right away. How do we do that? It's by gladdening the mind. When you see the hindrance, when you recognize that the mind has wandered away from the breath, then we can say, never mind, start again. I'm going to go back to the breath. I'm not going to think about whatever drudgery I was thinking about. I'm going to come mm -hmm. back with a gladdened mind. Aha, I see you, Myra. Aha, I see you, uh, Mr. Bad Feeling. Or aha, I see you, wandering mind. And so we begin to control the mind enough to wake up. So I had been I have been practicing um, this um, where every time that I realized I was distracted, I, you know, congratulated myself for successfully seeing that. Um, and I stopped I stopped doing that because my mind got so busy um, and. Uh, um, you know this. This. Oh, you're kind saying you congratulate yourself too much, too often. Um, well, just you know, one thought would lead to another, and I'd start getting too creative, and um, and uh, also I got too much into achieving things in my meditation, and uh, Lately, right? I that's just, the so, very that's the very Western mind. We have to stop achieving things in meditation, and relax. So, in fact, the hindrances for you would be all of those things that you want to achieve, which you can call that monkey mind or restless mind or achieving mind. Mm -hmm. And you said you stopped practice because. Uh, when you were practicing, the mind just ran away. Well, that meant you, you weren't practicing before the mind ran away. You didn't stop because the mind ran away. You stopped practicing and the mind ran away. So you got the cause and effect backwards there. I, I guess, like, I've just, been, I've just been keeping it real simple lately, and it's been nicer. Um, I've been feeling more refreshed and less mixed up after I practice. Um, we'll go for that. And, refreshed. Uh, okay, that's a good word then for you to use. Another one would be relax. Yeah. But having the mind invent things is not relaxing. Mm -hmm. So we have to put a stop to all of that creative mind. Yeah. And how do we do that? By re remembering to and say, I don't have to think about any of that. I can sit here and think about this present moment instead. Mm -hmm. Because all of that stuff is planning and for the future and that uh, uh, it comes from longing. It comes from wanting stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and the actual practice that we need to put in is the practice of feeling satisfied with the way things are right now. Mm -hmm. This is what we mean by gladdening the mind. So when the mind is wandering away and you catch the mind wandering away, it's almost like 
you are the wandering mind. The mind is wandering, yeah. and there you go. Yeah. And so the mind has got the self. The mind is the thing. But the wake-up call is, aha, I see you. Yeah. And to come out of the wandering mind and say, well, I don't, have to, don't have to wander anymore. I don't have to, to, uh, to have the mind just spinning and spinning. I Does can it have begin to, be a to control it. Does it have to be a formalized verbal thing, or can I, can this be something that I kind of do with with my feelings, like, oh, I, you know, I'm back, and and just be happy about it without saying anything, um, because all that verbal when, stuff was really stirring. When me up. I talk about it, I can only talk to you about it in concepts. Yeah. Your job is to take the concepts that I'm saying and put it into your own reality, your own practice, which is which is often either nonverbal or preverbal. Okay. But in That's fact, the, in fact, the side that I'm talking about is not verbal. Yeah. Not it's words, just. Yeah. <sighs> okay. It's a sound. But you don't even have to have the sound, but you do have that feeling of relax, yeah. Yeah. of letting go, of letting go of those thoughts that are uh, normally occupying the mind. But we're not paying attention to it. And so the mind is in a state of wandering. You could also say that the mind is in a state of restlessness because if it, in fact, came to a thought that it liked, it would stay there. But the mind doesn't stay on any particular thought because it can't find any satisfaction on any thought, and therefore it's just going from one thought to another to another. Sigmund Freud called this free association that the mind just gets one thought and then it freely associates that with another thought and freely associates it so the mind just jumps all over the place. They have been <clears throat> been calling that for centuries now. When I first heard of the concept of the monkey mind, I thought that it was uh, probably 20th century, but no, it goes back literally many hundreds of centuries. People have been calling the mind the monkey mind because meditation has been around that long. So the question is, can you get your monkey mind to stop mon uh, monkeying around in every tree in the forest and get it to where it only jumps around inside of one tree? Mm -hmm. Can you isolate it? Can you draw boundaries around it? This is the question, okay? And so the way that I normally teach this is, is that we can now, if we can learn to control the breath by taking long, deep, slow breath, then we can also learn to control the mind by allowing only wholesome thoughts in the mind. Define allow, because I, I don't allow feel I allow, allow, allow. I can respond, when you, but... When, when you find a thought that is thoughts of harmfulness, uh, thoughts of taking something that doesn't belong to you, any of those kind of thoughts, and you recognize the inappropriateness of that thought, you can throw it out, which means yeah. now you're not going to allow that thought. You're not going to give it any time. 
You're not going to dwell on it or let that part of the uh, of the story be told. You're going to say, never mind, I don't need that. Let me come back and just enjoy the moment instead. So basically, we're beginning to um, say that there's two kinds of thoughts. We're not trying to go to a state of thoughtlessness. There's no reason to do that except for particular reasons. So we're going to keep the thoughts. We're going to allow the thoughts, but we're going to manage the thoughts so that the thoughts stay wholesome. The thoughts are going to stay wholesome and the kind of thoughts that are unwholesome, we would throw out. Yeah. The kind so, of so thoughts this, this... that would be unwholesome would be, oh, this is hard work. Yeah, okay. Or another kind of thought that would be, oh, what's the use? I'm not getting anything out of my meditation anyway, so why should I continue? What's the use? Okay, this is actually the hindrance of uh, sloth. Doubt. Oh, sloth. Pardon? I thought it was doubt. I was guessing doubt. Well, sloth is actually part of uh, 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 doubt. Doubt about the practice, doubt about whether it is good or not. But when we come to the point of what's the point? When we come mm -hmm. to the conclusion, why should I be meditating now anyway? I'm not getting any value out of it. That's the kind of thought that we should be able to see. Wait a minute, I see that thought. I see the thoughts that are preventing me from feeling really good right now. Thoughts about what's the point of meditation? I'm not getting anything out of it anyway. Because those are normal thoughts. I mean, you had that in school. What's the use of learning the ABCs anyway? What's the use of learning arithmetic anyway? I can play with my toy Tonka truck without arithmetic. Why should I have to do arithmetic? And so these are the kinds of thoughts that little kids have, and we continue when we grow up to have those same kinds of thoughts. What's the point? What's the use in this? But in this case, it's a hunt. It's a hindrance. Mm -hmm. So there are many, many kinds of thoughts that can be hindrances, but they all have the same quality that they prevent us from being in the present moment joyfully. And so any time that you have any kind of thought that comes up, you can actually say, is this a good wholesome thought? Is this thought yeah. worth having? Or is this yeah. thought not worth having? Go ahead. This has been coming up a lot for me lately. Like uh, my, uh, um, I've been struggling to achieve what I hope to achieve and I'm working through it, but my attitude has just been shit because of it. Um, and uh, Because oh, you, you know, want something of... you don't have. You want to achieve something and you're not achieving it. When yeah. you stop trying to achieve something, you can settle down and be happy. But guess what? If you get what you are achieving for, the habit of achieving is still there and strong. Yeah. So now you'll look at something new to achieve. Yeah. And you'll go from one unhappy achievement to another. Well, and I don't even like, to, I don't even seem to like to be happy. Like I, uh, um, I, I see myself, you know, 
doing the different things, exercising, doing the writing I have to do. Uh, and it, I, my mind just finds every way to try and convince myself that I'm screwing up left, right, and center. Uh, and, and with the aim of getting me to shut down, because it's all useless, because my mind wants to, you know, uh, heck, smoke a joint, sit under the covers, and eat chocolate. That's what my mind wa really wants, um, it seems. So it just wants me to tell me everything's hopeless and, and shut down. So there's all these thoughts if it's not good enough. Yeah. Which but this is an I old habit. You yeah. have been in the habit of trying to talk to yourself into believing that nothing is ever good enough. And now you need to start seeing that stuff as it is, is painful. Keep telling yourself that you're not good enough is a painful pain to tell yourself. I got to plug this in and have to change where I'm sitting one second. Sorry. Don't think there's a plug down here. Apologize. Thank you, sir. Okay. So the, the, the normal mind is busy. The normal mind is a uh, um, jumping around like a monkey. The normal mind is planning. The normal mind is, in fact, driven by something. And because it's driven, that means there's energy to push it. And that, um, you know, that if you pull something, you can have a pretty good handle on where you pull it to. But if you push something, then it is difficult to control. Okay. All right. For instance, if you had a cart and a horse and you hook the course up backwards in the cart so that when the horse is going forward, it's going to push the cart that's out in front of him, that cart will be extremely difficult to control. But if you put the horse the way that normally, any way the horse goes, the cart's going to go. It's almost like backing up a car. Right, pushing the car backwards because the, the steering is at the back end of it. Um, going backwards in a car, people don't, normally don't have that skill of being able to back up. Like, for instance, backing up uh, to park a boat. Sure. Right? Very difficult to do. Takes some training to be able to push things around to get them to go where you want them to go. But pulling things, that's the easier way, okay? Mm -hmm. The reason that I'm making this point is, is because we, in fact, don't want to pull, push the mind. We want to pull it. To pull it towards joy. 
rather than pushing it into joy. Because pushing it into joy, it may not go into joy. It just gets pushed oh, it around. Just, yeah, just frustrating. Just, just okay. makes me want So to, that yeah. means that if there's any energy behind the mind and that energy or that uh, uh, driver is driving or pushing the mind, the mind is likely to go anywhere. This is what we mean by the monkey mind or by the associative mind or by the... Um, um, the wandering mind because it doesn't ever come to rest it's always got a push behind it so something keeps pushing it okay that underlying pushiness is what is referred to as restlessness mm-hmm. the the inability to come to a rest and that this is actually based upon fear. The underlying feeling that's underneath restlessness is the feeling of fear. So when the mind is jumping around, it's looking for a place to rest, and it never finds one. It's never satisfied. So it keeps jumping from place to place to place to place to place. We need to now lead it away from there. Rather than having it driven from place to place to place, what we're going to do is we're we're going to guide it or pull it into the here now. This is the Buddha when he said this. This is actually quite remarkable. This point of Anapanasati step 10 of gladdening the mind is the key ingredient that almost all meditators miss. And that is, is that we actually have to change what's in the mind. We have to lead it out of the place that it normally is into a state of happiness, into a state of joy, into a state of gladdening. And we have to keep practicing this over and over again because the normal state of mind is driven by fear. A restless mind is jumping all over the place. Yeah. Because, I mean, heck, how, how the heck, how, how the heck, because when I, when I, like you were saying, like if I try and tell myself, be happy, and I'm not happy, then I failed, and I'm very, when I fail, then I just want to give up, and that's, you know, 12 years of addiction later, here we are. So, um, this is that point. You're not trying to make yourself happy. In fact, this is one of the things that I hear from students often. Yeah. Is, is that they, uh, they call it, okay, I'm happy, but it's artificial. It's not real. Right. Well, what they're missing is they're missing the point that they can, in fact, come out of the hindrances. When they say, oh, well, the joy is not real, I'm just trying to make myself happy, in a way, that's still hindrance. When we really, really do throw the hindrances out, that's a relief. Wow, it's so good to feel that I don't need that stuff. Yeah. yeah I mean, fact, I, can, I can think... Go ahead. Well, I mean, that's that's what makes meditation nice is, you know, bit by bit. Because I, 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 when I think about it, like it, it is what I do when I sit down. I see something and I'm like, that's bullshit. Um, and uh, uh, I let it go and, and, and progressively you until I get... But congratulate yourself in a very tiny little way. You congratulate yourself for recognizing that's bullshit. 
Yeah. <laughs> you do and, it with and, a little and it bit gets of a to smile. A point, right? Okay. So now we're going to start building that congratulations when you recognize that that what you're thinking about in the mind that's bullshit. Okay. That in fact when you say that's bullshit that's exactly what the Buddha said when he says aha I see you Mara. He's just being a little bit more polite in ancient Pali when he says, aha, I see you, Myra. But you're saying, aha, I see you, bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly so. And so we can cackle with laughter. Aha, I can see that stuff. Yeah. Because when we do see it as it is, when we see that bullshit for bullshit, that's actually a kind of a congratulations. That's coming out of it. Mm-hmm. coming out of it that's pleasurable and it's, it is it is bit by bit and then I come to a point where I don't feel as uh, yeah buried under the pile of manure and uh, it smells a lot nicer mm-hmm. okay so now we want to cultivate those feelings to cultivate the pleasure that we derive from being free from our own bullshit for the moment. So that's a lot. That makes a lot more sense to me than trying to be happy. Like get rid of the sh- get rid of the shit, and I feel happier rather than trying to you know, tell myself to feel a certain way. Um, what a relief it is! Yeah, it's a relief. That, well, I don't have to think about that stuff. Aha, uh-huh, I see you bullshit. Okay, so this is um, um, something that you can start to use is making that small change in there so that you can, instead of trying to manufacture uh, a happiness that you don't have, what you can do is relish the happiness at the level that it is. That yeah. small amount of happiness yeah. is, in fact, much better than being in the bullshit. You're out of it now. Uh I see you, Mr. Bullshit. (laughs) And by that way, you're free from it. And so now you can start having thoughts that congratulate yourself for being free from it. Okay, so the first thing that comes up is like you were saying, that whole future orientation. When I say I'm free of it, like my brain goes, "Uh uh-huh, no, you're not. It's coming right back, you know, hitting you like a boomerang. And when that thought comes back right then, you can say, "Uh uh-huh, I can see you too, Mr. Bullshit number two. Bullshit number nine by the Beatles. Okay, one after another after another, the hindrances will come, and when they do, all you have to do is throw them out. And that it is a common thing to throw to throw one out, only to be con- grabbed by another one. And now you, uh, and that, uh, and then the third one is going to be, what's the use, or yeah. what's the point? And all that's of these a, are just layers of hindrances. Yeah, that's what happened recently as I got so discouraged that because I'd been I've been having a jolly old time with um, this whole business of a hi, I see you and I throw you out more so in my day to day than in my meditation practice. 
And then I kind of was getting in into my, um, my, we say defects, you know, my uh, unhelpful behavior so much that I just became so discouraged that saying, aha, I see you was like, well, it's also going on and it's happening and it's not going away. And, and it just became something I didn't feel like doing, but you have to persist. You have to persist and keep trying. So, yeah. All right. But when you do that, you're just going back into the ordinary mind that you'd had before. We all do that. Because why? Because over so many years of experience with hindrances, just having a mind that's just jumping and jumping and jumping and jumping, it almost feels daunting for the beginner. I do remember and recollect years ago that it really was a, a jumping monkey mind. But over over time, if you keep dragging it back and dragging it back and dragging it back over and over and over again, it begins to settle down. The, the Buddha used in the, uh, the example of the wild elephant. How do you tame an elephant? In the time of the Buddha, in fact, it was uh, it was an effort because uh, they didn't even have chains. All they had was vines and ropes, and so they would tie the rope and the vines to the uh, to the left hind leg of the elephant, and then tie him to a tree or to a stake that they had driven into the ground. And by that time, these kind of stakes is a whole tree trunk that's been driven into the ground to try to keep that elephant there. But the elephants are smart. They'll get up on three legs and have that left hind leg free so that they can swing it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth all night, weakening those vines and uh, pulling the, uh, uh, the post of the stake out of the ground and loosening it up. Finally, the elephant gets free. And where does the elephant go? He goes back to his old haunts. He goes back to the pool of water he used to stay in. He goes back to where his elephant buddies are. And so when they, when they go to catch him a second time, they know where to catch him. And so they bring him back to the post and they tie him up again. And again, overnight, he swings that left hind foot over and over and over again until he gets himself free. So you can see that analogy immediately that the wet meditator now is um, the monkey mind is swinging it back and forth and back and forth until it finally gets itself free from the, uh, from the breath. And then it wanders off into where it wants to. But we bring it back. We tie it back to the breath. There it goes, swinging back and forth until it gets free again. But eventually the, the, uh, uh, the elephant begins to understand something. He understands why should I work so hard trying to get free from this uh, stop or this uh, uh, post when they are going to, in fact, bring me back. This becomes the whole life of this elephant for a while as swinging his left foot until he gets himself free and then wanders away again, only to be brought back again. 
Okay, so now your job is to be the elephant trainer, to train this elephant mind that we have that keeps uh, so powerful, that does get away from the breath, that does wander away again, and our job is to merely to bring it back to the breath, tie it down again, over and over and over again. And we do this, if you can do it correctly, you're doing it happily. Never mind, I see you, Uh aha, I see you, Mr. Bullshit. Yeah, And so I happily bring it back and tie up the mind to the breath again. Over a period of time, the, the, the mind will stop working so hard to get away from the breath. But in the beginning, for a while, it just works really hard to keep wandering away. So, I mean, and I am... Um, the, the focus is on the breath and you know eventually it i do calm down and i'm just focusing on the breath you know it is it is something that i'm trying to get to or that's not really the issue of getting to or i don't know gets gets confusing no it uh uh it's something worth practicing and you can practice it any time that this is not something that we have to do just while we're squatting on the floor but by doing it like that it um, it helps us to remember that right now my major job is to take long, deep breaths and to keep the mind free from the hindrances. Okay. And so we want to practice that a lot. So going back to the original point that we were talking about, comma that leads to the end of comma means the right effort that's part of the Eightfold Noble Path, the right effort, and we're putting the right effort in two areas together. One is to start taking longer, deeper breaths. Okay. And the other one is to throw the hindrances out and to put something useful, valuable, and wholesome in the mind. Okay. So we're learning to control the mind in two ways, and we're learning to control the breath in two ways. One of the ways of controlling the breath two ways is to be mindful of the in-breath, the long in-breath. As it comes in, the long in-breath, we're going to note that. And then the long out-breath, we're going to note the out-breath also. Why? Because that noting of the long in-breath and long out-breath, that's actually a point of shanti. That's a point of be here now that we're actually going to watch the breath enough to where we know it's an in-breath. Okay. And that it's a long breath. And we're going to know it's an out-breath, and we know that it's going to be a long out-breath. And the way that I look at the long out-breath is a sigh. (sighs) A letting go. A feeling relaxed. Okay. Now, the two kinds of ways of controlling the mind. First way of controlling the mind is sati, to remember, to remember that we're practicing or to remember that it is better to watch the breath and to be out of hindrance than it is to be in hindrance. This is one's right view, by the way. One's right view is that it's better to be happy than it is to be unhappy. That's (laughs) a pretty good view, right? Okay, so if that's our view, then we need to then practice to wake up to that, to keep waking up to the fact that it's better to be happy than it is to be unhappy. 
which means now when I wake up, I'm going to stop doing the things that make me unhappy and start doing the things that make me happy. And telling ourselves that we have to be happy is possibly not going to work nearly as well as the the feeling of release or, or relaxation. Or, wow, that feels nice. Yeah. What a relief it is. Mm-hmm. This is actually gladdening the mind. It's brightening the mind. Oh, what a relief it is means that we just dropped a burden, so we become light. Mm-hmm. Okay. So allow yourself to feel good when you throw that stuff out of the mind, knowing that it's going to come right back in, but if it does, you can catch it again and throw it right back out. And take another deep breath and enjoy the moment. I mean, one one thing that comes up for me, like I just went over a little hump where uh, oh, I was spinning spinning a bit out of control, um, and uh, in previous attempts, maybe I would have relapsed. But I have to do the things I have to do in order to not relapse, which is death and insanity and all sorts of stuff for me. So, um, and it's the same thing with this, like. I'm going to keep going because I, I can't not, you know, it's, it's the same, it's the same too. Like I just, I can't go through my life unhappy and unsatisfied because for me that ends up in, in using drugs. So I just got to do this stuff. <laughs> right. It really is in a way kind of like the point of no return, you know, in, uh, in aircraft. It's like you've got only so much fuel, and um, you've already gotten at least halfway there, which means it's closer to go to the destination than it is to return. And in fact, we may not even have enough fuel to get back where we started from, so the only choice we have is to go forward. Yeah. That w- that's what we mean is the point of no return. In your case, there's only one, ex- you know, the choice really is I'm going to continue to do this because I know that it's got some uh, happiness in there for me on a regular basis. And the only option is to go back to the old way, which does not have any happiness at all that we can tell. We've got to go forward with this, okay? That's, in fact, what happens with people with the Dhamma is they recognize it that there's no going back. There really is no going back. We can either stop practice or that's going back. Or we can continue to practice. We've got to continue to practice. And so um, this is the point that we have to make sure then that we're practicing correctly. Because not practicing correctly is exactly the same thing as going backwards. Not practicing correctly means we're going back and doing it the old, old ways. And as I can tell from what you said and many other students say, um, even sometimes fairly advanced students, they have the idea that, oh, in fact, you can think of it like this. One, gladdening the mind sounds like a lot of work. Got me. 
but relaxation <laughs> doesn't sound like so much work. Yeah. But they're the same thing. <clears throat> but one's just a different change of, of, uh, of the attitude of the, of the student. Well, we want to develop the right attitude. And the right attitude is, this is easy. I can do this. Not this is hard. That in fact, cleaning one's mind out one time is easy. Mm -hmm. But cleaning it out a million times is easy. Yeah. Each time you do it, it's easy. But when we think of cleaning it out a million times, the thought of cleaning it out a million times, that's hard. Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been thinking about that this as I've been learning a bit about persistence lately is that, you know, I just there's there's always going to be things in life. I just got to develop an attitude where, like, I'm ready for it. OK, stuff's coming. Gonna gonna handle it, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, the stuff that's coming normally does not have to be handled any more than just setting it down. Mm-hmm. Most of the stuff that we handle, we handle because we picked it up. There's the handle. Right. Right. And the right way to handle it is by setting it back down. Mm-hmm. Or another way of thinking of it is getting out of the way. Or another way of thinking of it is learning to control the mind. So we've talked about the kind of mind control that Sati is, and that is the wake up. But then there's another kind of control. Once we've woken up, now we're going to learn to control the mind the way that we're controlling the breath. With those long, deep in-breaths and long, deep out-breaths, we're going to also now control the mind to allow only wholesome thoughts in. What are wholesome thoughts? The thoughts about what we're doing right now. What are unwholesome thoughts? Thoughts about this is hard, thoughts about the past, thoughts about the future, thoughts about restlessness, thoughts that bring restlessness. Yeah. And so we can change those thoughts and throw those thoughts out mm-hmm. and, and with the idea or the thought of, wow, what a relief it is. I don't have to think about that. Okay. Or, as you were saying, that's a bunch of shit. <laughs> and imagine, okay, so here's an example. You get into an argument with one of your friends there at the center. And then you go sit to meditate and you begin to think about that guy and the argument that you had with him. The right way of doing it is to recognize, wait a minute, he's not here and he's not arguing. Why should I be here arguing? Right? I was watching a horror movie yesterday and it's like, that's just stuff on a screen, you know? That's just stuff on the screen. There is nothing danger here. Yeah. Right. So, in fact, that that old argument may have been there when you had the argument, but now it's only on the screen of the mind. Yeah. And you don't need it. And so you can say, wow, what a bunch of shit that is. With with actually not even so much of a thought as just a sigh of relief from having dropped it. Yeah. 
Okay, so, so am I doing the right thing? Because when I it. when I sit down to meditate, like I, whatever whatever's there, like I I just kind of let it play itself out and and just Don't. keep coming back to the breath. This is no. Uh, let's make sure that we understand what we're talking about. But letting itself play out is exactly the same thing as the practice of choiceless awareness that in fact things don't work themselves out they work themselves and work themselves in and keep working themselves because remember there's a driver underneath that and that driver underneath that is fear and that part of the relaxation that we're doing is getting ourselves into a state of feeling safe that satisfaction and safety and security is actually the goal. This is called sukha, which is step five, step six of Anapanasati. Get yourself into state of feeling like that you're safe. Mm-hmm. Because that unfeeling of safetyness is what keeps the mind burning, kind of looking for a solution to a problem that's not really voiced because the feeling is the voice the feeling of being dissatisfied or something's not right and so you want to actually begin to cultivate the feeling that everything is okay everything is hunky dory yeah i like that that phrase hunky dory <laughs> i don't think i've ever met anybody named dory and i don't remember if she was hunky or not but that's the term they use, hunky dory. Everything I, uh, is hunky dory. Everything is good. Okay, which means safe, secure. Okay. No worries, no problems. So can you keep bringing yourself back to that state? Over and over again, bring yourself back to the state. Oh wow, this is okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this we, we we've talked about it a bit, and it has been permeating my my thinking. You know, I uh, I always I always psych myself out. You know, when I'm clean and thinking, you know, this that or the other thing, and uh, it's like, ah, like we okay, we had bed bugs, and uh, they're yet to fumigate. This happened just the other day, but I had to sleep on the couch, and that reminded me of couch surfing. I was like. Oh my God! It's so nice that I have a bed right now. You know, like um, it's so nice that I have clean underwear. You don't even know. <laughs> this is exactly the right attitude to have. Is isn't it nice? Isn't it nice? Okay, so continue with that because in fact your life is quite nice. Yeah. I know of at least two billion people personally would like to change faces with you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's my thinking. Yeah, but but um, I I don't think any of them want to trade places with you and train change uh, thoughts. That no, <laughs> Devin can keep his old thought system going there for a while, or he can yeah. drop it on his own. Up to him, yeah. his choice. Yeah. Okay. 
But remember that the dropping it takes effort. This is comma that takes uh, that brings to the end of comma, but it is effort. It is action. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of places say, oh no, you don't have to do anything. They will yeah. even make the statement of how can you come to the state of doing nothing by doing something. The answer to that is, is because that doing something that brings about non-doing is turning the darn machine off. Yeah. All you have to do is turn that darn machine off and then it will come to rest. Okay, so you said, note the in-breath, note the out-breath, throw out the hindrances, no, we're... Work on my sati. Remember that's what I'm doing. That's a bunch doing. of bullshit. Right. That's throwing it out. Yeah. Aha, I see you, bullshit. And there was a fourth A fourth point was... Keep your mind in wholesome thoughts. And don't allow the mind to go into unwholesome thoughts. Okay. What are the unwholesome thoughts? The hindrances. What are wholesome thoughts? Thoughts about what you're doing right now. You could go so far as to say... That in the suttas it talks about, in fact, of uh, of harmlessness, having thoughts of harmlessness as opposed to having thoughts of harm. Well, in yeah. fact, that wandering, spinning mind is a kind of way of harming ourselves. And the harm we do to ourselves, we pass on. Mm-hmm. And so coming to a state of harmlessness, which means just, ah, right. Yeah. So bringing yourself to a state of harmlessness, bringing yourself to a state of non-greed, what does that mean? It means right now I'm satisfied. I don't want anything. A moment ago when the mind was spinning, I wanted to want nothing. I wanted to want nothing is completely (laughs) different than I don't want nothing. Yeah. Because we're wanting things. That's that's an old habit. The old habit of being dissatisfied by wanting things that we don't have. Mm -hmm. And trying to get rid of things that we have to put up with. And so people can actually get into hating the hindrances and go around saying, Oh, monkey mind, monkey mind. Oh, this is so much work. Oh, it's so hard to do. Well... Yeah, but what you're doing there, even though you're thinking about hindrances, you're doing it with a hindered mind. No, you let all that go and say, no, no, things are good now. Things are okay now. Yeah. So we have to begin to see all of the bullshit. Because there's many different kinds of bullshit. I ain't getting nothing out of this meditation is a kind of bullshit. This is hard work. Another kind of bullshit. Anything that keeps you out of being in a state of satisfaction is your bullshit. So now all you have to do is start seeing that bullshit. Various kinds. Ah, There you are, Mr. Bullshit. Out you go. So in a way, the sati of the waking up to come back to the breath is very similar now to these having only wholesome thoughts and not allowing unwholesome thoughts to come in. So one is getting yourself into a good state, and then the other one is to maintain that good state. Yeah. 
And we do it always with a long, deep breath because it's really easy for the mind to wander away if we're only watching uh, the breath without actually controlling it. Not only that, but those long, deep breaths are energizing and they're purifying and that the body normally in its normal state is not breathing very well. Yeah, well, I noticed I noticed that with um, with because uh, sometimes yeah, like I got started in 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 Zen that was just you know you don't add anything and uh, then I read some Theravadan stuff about breathing in a way that feels nice and it can be pretty luxurious, you know. Yeah. Okay, that's exactly right. But breathing in a way that feels nice means that we're actively looking for it as opposed to just watching the breath, which is not watching a breath that feels nice. We're not even looking at the quality of the breath. So looking at the quality of the breath is exactly what we're doing. We're spending part of our mind moments or part of the thought that we have is by thinking about the quality of breath. Yeah. So I've had it in my mind that I'm, like, what I'm aiming towards is where my mind is like ultimately one day I sit down and there's only the physical sensation of the breath on the tip of the nose and that's the okay. only thing in my let mind. Me, let me give you something new then to aim for. Okay. Stop aiming. Yeah. That's yeah. what to aim yeah. for. Because that aiming for stuff is actually yeah. restlessness. Right. Looking for something to aim at. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than okay, recognizing so, so this is good enough. To... This is it. Yeah. So I I've been I've been thinking like my practice is feeling better, but I'm moving away from you know this instruction. Actually, what I've been doing is I've been dropping restlessness. This is great news. <laughs> okay. Okay, Damarada, my brain is full. <laughs> and here we spent the whole hour trying to empty it <laughs> all right well I've got it's, good, it's good to talk yes keep calling we need to contact do this over and over and over again because the mind is such that it easily falls back don't waste so long next time. Sounds like a plan. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Ed, you ain't heavy. You're my brother.